following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener. Loki, batteries not included. Tomorrowland, Jungle Cruise, Metropolis, The Ghost Light, The Prince of Egypt, Looper, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, Ratatouille, The Jetsons, Avengers, Age of Ultron, Cars, Up, Wally, Chicken Little, Bolt, Metropolis, and Sky Oshi, Anime Girl. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie and then try to determine which one is cooler. Robots, dinosaurs, or a time machine slash memory TV device. I'm your host, Luigi, and with me as always is my co-host, uh, the person that picks the movie that we're going to be watching, for better or worse, uh, this time, I think, for better. Um, so my co-host, I'm going to let her tell you the name of the movie. Uh, my co-host is Regina Famatigan. Hello, everyone. So glad to be here today. Today, we are going to be reviewing, discussing, going into everything we possibly can about the 2000s film. I can't say the exact year because I don't know it. Meet the Robinsons. That's right, 2007. Um, the the movie was directed by Steven Anderson. Uh, it stars Angela Bassett, Adam West in a, in a little role, uh, Lori Metcalf, and Tom Kenny, uh, along with a few other great voice actors. Um, Tom Selleck, if I can also... I have a cast that... <laughs> I thought you were going to say Tom, and I was like, yes. That's true. It does have <laughs> at least the likeness, if not the voice of no, Tom no, Selleck. Does he, he also he do a also, voice? He's the voice of Cornelius. Oh, that's perfect. I was looking at the cast. Yeah. So I was like, what a weird niche reference. As a child, I truly did not know who Tom Selleck was. A, a hilarious bit. But then when I was like watching the credits at the end, I saw, I mean, I don't know. You could probably fact text this, but I'm pretty sure, unless I hallucinated it. It's that Tom Selleck also voiced Cornelius, which I think is just a funny thing. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I saw. I just saw that he was credited, and I yeah. and I was like, oh, maybe it's just for his likeness. Yeah, but yeah. That, I didn't even think about like who does the adult voices. And which voices makes me and... wonder if it's like they cast Tom Selleck, and then they were like, who does he look like? Oh, Tom <laughs> Selleck. Or if they were like, it'd be funny to make a Tom Selleck joke. Also, reach out to Tom Selleck and see if he'd. <laughs> Voice in this. <laughs> it's a good bit. Um, <laughs> we're going to get into all the reasons why there's like a two different voices for the same character. I think if you've seen this movie, uh, you you know why. Um, this podcast does assume that the listener has seen the movie, so we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about all spoilery things. Uh, this is your last spoiler warning. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. I believe Georgina would highly recommend it. Yeah, I don't I think it's a delight. I think it's a very charming film. Um, so if you you know if you're if you are curious to watch it, hit pause right now, watch it, and then come back and listen. Or you can just listen to our review, spoil it, spoil the heck out of it for you, and then you can go watch it with full knowledge of what you're getting into. Sometimes I don't want to watch a movie unless I know it's going to be good. So you could hear us tell you how good it's going to be, and then you can, you know, test that hypothesis, see if we're right or not. That is true. Um, so before we dive into this delightful movie, Regina, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Maybe talk about uh, how we met, how we know each other, and some of the cool stuff that you do. Sure. Well, hello. Thanks for listening to this podcast that I was so graciously invited to be in. My name is Regina Famatigan. I am an actress here in New York City. Um, this is the second time that I'm talking to Lewis. Um, so... 
hopefully this goes well. I mean, sure, it'll be great. Sure. Um, <laughs> we, we were, um, one of the things that I'll, I'll, I'll plug is that um, we are both in the same feature film, Sky Hoshi Anime Girl, um, directed by the amazing Kalani Hubbard, to, out uh, sometime in early 2023. Spring, maybe uh, summer, yeah. Yeah, and you may be familiar with the Hubbards. I know Stephanie was on here um, mm-hmm. relatively recently, his um, wonderful wife. Um, yeah, Sky Hoshi Anime Girl is a feature film. I none of we never met during the filming of that because our characters never interact. Yep, the um, magic of film. We're we're yeah. <laughs> in the same movie, but never on the same day or on the yeah, same. Yeah, we set. met at the ramen. Um, I don't know how much you care about this listener, but we we went at the ramen rap party, um, and I learned that you had a robots versus dinosaurs podcast, and I was like, how many? I was trying to think of like what movies had robots and dinosaurs and in which they fight. And it says a lot about me that this was the first one that came to my mind. And there's a definitive winner of that fight in this movie. We'll get into it when we yes, get to yes, that yes, part. Yes, yeah, yeah. But the, yeah, what, that's what, something I love about this choice is that not yeah. only is there a robot versus a dinosaur, but there's a clear winner. there's like winner. a clear winner. And then we mm-hmm. can discuss whether we agree with that or not. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're just, yeah. Um, and other fun projects. Uh, mm. I was in another sh- independent short film that I filmed last month. It's called The Ghost Light. That was produced by um, 10 out of 10 Productions and Tiny Viking Productions, directed by um, Nick Richard. I didn't ask them if, I, if it would be okay if I plugged them, but I can't imagine that would be an issue. And... I don't think any producer has ever been mad about uh, free promotion. <laughs> yeah, the free yeah. promotion. <laughs> and um, lastly, I'm in a dramatic play at Columbia University, going to be coming out next. We're going to be. Um... <laughs> we're showing uh, that um, next week, <laughs> um, January 26th through the 29th um, at Lanfest Center of the Arts. It's called Illusions, it's an MFA thesis project also didn't ask them if they wanted me to plug this but again i can't imagine this would be an issue um it's uh it's it's a an adaption of a russian play so very dramatic very um abstract and fun it starts with a nearly 20 minute monologue for myself Ooh, um, i want to hear me philosophize about love for like so very long um that's on that's another thing that i have that's that's on the plate right now very cool. Uh, tell me about the the ghost light. You said that's an indie film. Is it is it original? Oh, yes. uh, oh I'm so excited about this. Yeah, no, this is an original story. Um, this is the first time I've ever like led an independent like this. I play an a high school theater geek named Winnie, um, Winona slash Winnie, mm-hmm. um, and she has just had the worst audition of her life for her um, high school theater. And it's so bad that the ghosts of the theater come alive and help her um, rehearse for the for the next audition. Um, and it was it was truly a dream come true. A fantastic um, team and cast. It it I don't know if this is a spoiler. Um, it's I don't think it is. It it, it is it, it it is because she's like auditioning for a musical. It's highly inspired by like a lot of like the classic movie musical stuff so that was like a dream of mine to be able to like be in like a movie musical um like that and um there's ghosts and theater and i don't have to act because i am a girl who loves ghosts and theater <laughs> i was just gonna ask like no shade but was, <laughs> yeah, I was like, it, was, it was a typecast is what i'm saying I was yeah a, is that a stretch i was a high school theater <laughs> <or>, yeah <laughs> yeah same i yeah that's <laughs> 
Um, that would not be the the most challenging acting role, but it sounds like a fun one. Oh yeah, it, it, it's it's a I would I would say that that's a delight as well. That's my that's my word of the day. Cool, as that cool. it stuck in my head. That twenty minute monologue though in the play that's not like doing that on oh, stage. God. That you sounds know, I like got, a, I got like the a script and I was project. like. I don't know if I can like do this at all, let alone like <laughs> in within the time. But they asked us to get off book in like in like so in less than a week, and then we have we've had rehearsals every day, so we have rehearsals six days a week. And so I really truly had like less than thirty six hours to learn everything, hmm. um, which makes me feel really green in that like I actually like took them at their word um, because my other cast members were like, oh yeah, it's impossible, we're not going to do that. But I literally like shut myself in my room and was like, I am not leaving until every word is like jammed into my skull, um, which now I know that I can do that. Any mm-hmm. producers listening to the room, I can do that. Although <laughs> I wouldn't say I would want to do that again for a variety of reasons, but you know, it's nice to push yourself growing. Yeah. It's painful, but you know, it, it's, it's nice to always um, challenge yourself. Yeah. Keep that's moving good, forward. Keep moving forward. <laughs> Spoiler, that's, that's like segue back into why we're here. That's enough about me. Incredible segue. Uh, keep moving yeah, forward. Everyone is, wants to really hear about robots versus dinosaurs, not just this this random actress you found literally on the street. <laughs> uh, well, the street outside of a ramen uh, yeah, restaurant. Yeah, you, you know, know, we were on the street. <laughs> we were sitting outside, to be clear. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's let's dive into Meet the Robinsons. Um this is, I love the structure of this movie. Um, it's it, it's also appropriate that we met doing a movie called Sky Hoshi that has mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not time travel elements in it. Uh, I'm always a big sure. fan of time travel stories. I love time travel. Yeah. I would say, I, 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 I don't think this is a divulge. I think I love time travel, like, because as a kid. I was like interested in filmmaking as a process. And like what I love about time travel movies is that like you're able to like revisit the same scenes you were familiar with, but like from different angles or like elements of foreshadowing that could happen like in the sound design. And then you mm. can you go back to a thing and then it just kind of like puts into perspective like however movie is shot, like that was chosen that way and it didn't need to necessarily be that way. And so I always like when you see someone's like their back of the head or something um, from of the same scene is something that really fascinates me about time travel films. Yeah. It's that shift in perspective. It's like literally seeing it through somebody else's eyes. Um, and when it's done right, it always makes the the second or third or however many times you rewatch the movie. It makes it more fun because you, yeah. you notice new things or you notice things that like they put there. So the, the in the opening sequence of this movie, mm. um, it's raining, it's all sepitone. And there's, yeah. there's this, the classic situation of a woman is running up to an orphanage to leave a baby in a basket and she's going to run away because she Which can't Which I'm wondering, baby. like, the actual truth of how often that has happened in which someone leaves a child <laughs> in a cardboard box. Because it's it's truly, like, part of the, like, trope lexicon now of just, like, leaving an orphan somewhere in a wicker basket or a, a cardboard box. And I'm just hoping, like, I know, just, like, imagining all the newborn infants just like delivered <laughs> in front of orphanages. I can't, I, I don't know if I can't speak to that. That's just my, that my roaming thought of like, is that, is that, is that like an idea that was established because it would happen or does it happen because people saw it on movies or does it never happen? I don't know. I would suspect it happens as frequently as people getting caught in quicksand. Sure. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, 
uh, or having exact change for a cab or the exact number of bills. Um, the, <laughs> the, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it probably, the trope probably, and like in all seriousness, comes from the story of Moses. And I was you know, thinking that for a moment. Yeah. That's probably the origin of it, but you're right. It's <laughs> like, how even that, like, did that really happen? <laughs> uh, um, that's a different discussion. I don't remember yeah. any robots or dinosaurs in the story of Moses. So unfortunately, that's not what we're going to be discussing. Today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not here to litigate the Bible. But, um. <laughs> Prince of Egypt is, is a fun film, I guess. I haven't seen it in a while, but there's not any. I'd have to check. I'd have to check if there's any robots or dinosaurs. Crocodiles, right? Or crocodiles would count. They are prehistoric. Um, Okay. (laughs) I can't use that one though. In this movie, the uh, that in during that opening scene, there's a moment where the mom hears a noise behind her, like a scraping Mm -hmm. or shuffling of feet, and she turns her head for just a moment. Uh, Then you know she makes her final decision and and runs away before anything else can happen. What's interesting, and I'm, I, I yeah. guess because this is also the ending, I'm not really jumping to the ending, but when we know the ending, mm. uh, it makes this moment actually kind of dark because, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it's already dark, but she doesn't even knock on the door. She, she I was thinking that too when I was talking really loudly. Yeah. I was really like, this is, it's raining outside. She yes. Knock and that's why I love to discuss the timeline. Okay, because like, and timeline films, I, I in, in time travel films, I, I want to discuss, like, I love them, but, like, sometimes they're about time travel and the logistics of the timeline and mm-hmm. of, like, you know, something like Back to the Future where it's, like, it's really about them preserving or 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 taking care of the timeline, moving it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes, like, time travel is really just a mechanism, I feel, to just sort of um, interrogate different themes about humanity and like looking to the past versus looking forward or living to the moment. Like it, it's really just like the theme is not like the science quote unquote of time travel, but because of that, the time travel logistics of this film are fuzzy at best at times. And I'd yeah. like to sort of hash that out for a second once we get to that later. No, that's a really good analysis. Cause yeah, there's, there's time, there's, there are time travel science movies and then there are time yeah. travel philosophy movies. Exactly. Cause I wouldn't say this is about time travel. Right. Like, time travel is just part of the story to tell like the story of this kid Lewis. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of things. If you know, if, if, if the not knocking bugged you as much as it bugged me, I think there's a couple <laughs> of other things that we're going to dive into that we're sure. probably on the same page about. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> so we get this opening scene, which is also kind of the end scene, uh, the baby in a box and Angela Bassett is the, uh, I think her name is Mildred. She's the, yeah, she's running this I did orphanage. not know that that was Angela Bassett. Oh, the queen herself. Oh, I saw yeah. it in the cast list at the end. Yeah. Um, um, so, and she's got, uh, uh, she's running this orphanage and there's two kids that we, that we kind of focus on Lewis and his roommate, um, Michael L- Yagubian, Michael Yagubian. <laughs> Fantastic <Goob>. name. <laughs> uh, Goob, actually we see our first dinosaur in this movie. Goob is wearing a dino's I noticed shirt. that. That was fun. A, 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 a little fun thing that I had never seen before. But this time, because I watched it specifically with an eye to notice any dinosaurs, I was like, ooh. Awesome. It's always a good filter. It improves movies <laughs> when you watch them that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> specifically, like, with the dinosaur lens. <laughs> so, um... So uh, Lewis is is the this child inventor. He's He's obsessed with making inventions. At one point, like... He uh, he's going through a montage of 
parents that want to adopt a child and that's why they're at the orphanage and like he kind of has to interview for them and at one point they like they asked do you play any sports and he says is inventing a sport um, <laughs> <laughs> and so this kid loves just tinkering with things like learning how things he loves science he's a science mm-hmm. nerd in the best way and his roommate is um a baseball player he's obsessed with baseball uh Goob, it turns out later on, again, spoilers. Spoilers. Um, Goob is is the main, I don't even want to call him villain, but main antagonist of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like force of conflict. <laughs> like, force of conflict. Arguably Doris is the main villain. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I would I would agree with that. He's like he's Doris's henchman, is what <laughs> Yeah. So this is what this is what I really like about this character is Goob when we first see him. He has bags under his eyes. Regina, how old would you say these kids are supposed to be in, in this Okay, so it, also, well, it's, it explicitly says that Lewis is on the verge of becoming 13. Right, And that right. it's hard for teenagers to get adopted. So I would, so like, it is, it's established that Lewis is 12. And I would say that Goob is probably maybe a little bit younger, maybe 11 or 10, unless they're like, complete peers but i don't know i I don't want to judge by like height but uh, also like his goobs like cute little little chubby cheeks but he does seem a little bit younger his voice sounds younger too i think there's a lot of yeah i think he's the younger one and um because we also don't see him going on that many like adoption interviews uh until later in the movie the more pragmatic one what i thought was really interesting was that like when the film starts, it's it literally starts with a monologue from Goob, and Lewis doesn't say anything for like a while, which I thought, which something that I, I wouldn't have noticed before. But I think that that was interesting, where they really introduce the character, um, and he doesn't say anything, and Goob is just talking about the spaceball game for like mm-hmm. a really, really long time. And I thought that was like very interesting storytelling that they're not like I don't know, but they're they're, they're it, it really just felt very um, world building, and that they just mm-hmm. like put you right into this little boy's bedroom. And then this kid is talking a lot about this baseball game. And then this kid is just like listening. And I, I love this kid so much right away. Like he's, he's this uh, maybe 11 years old kid. Looks like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders, (laughs) literally bags under his eyes. Oh my gosh. When he trades in the, um, the juice box for the cup of coffee. (laughs) Hilarious. (laughs) And he's just like, ah, that's a good cup of joe. (laughs) It's so it's so fun. I love yeah. I I always love like little kids doing adult things or yeah. like wearing adult clothes. Um, he we find out the reason he's always perpetually tired, like ex- not just tired, exhausted. Yeah. Like yeah. at the end of his rope is because of Lewis being up all night doing these crazy inventions, and they always go haywire and mm-hmm. cause mayhem. So he just cannot sleep. Um, and that's it's so precious that he helps though you know like they're there they seem to be friends and like he does he helps so much it seems that like say so he doesn't even have to think about it like in during mm. the many montages of the film he just like knows that lewis needs this certain kind of wrench or whatever as he's like spieling off um i thought that was precious so it opened that it opens up a big discussion about, and maybe we won't dive too much into it because you wrapped it up in a nice bow that this is more philosophy time travel than science time travel. But yeah. it opens up a big conundrum mm-hmm. that arguably, without mm-hmm. Goob becoming a, a quote unquote villain, Lewis never goes through the journey that he goes on and creates the future that he sees that he created. 
okay can we are we gonna go into this now yes please okay all right okay okay you i don't want like to jump the gun on this say and i want to hear it. all right okay okay <laughs> so like yeah so the the they they established that um like something where lewis tells his old or or cornelius lewis's older version tells him that like that like the future isn't set in stone and you have to make the right choices to get to this place right mm-hmm. and then also he goes back and then he changes goob's past again this is a big spoiler but um because of Lewis building all the time, like uh, Goob misses like this big catch at a baseball game and then it ruins his life or like he 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 doesn't move past that and then his life goes by and then it sort mm-hmm. of essentially is ruins and he blames Lewis for it. But Lewis goes back and like wakes Goob up in time to like make the big catch and then it sees him with a trophy and like now he's maybe getting adopted. So like he changes that part. But part of it is that like that wouldn't have happened unless all of the stuff like like Lewis would not know to go to help Goob unless Lewis had gone through his entire like adventure. Yep. But like if he helped Goob, then he wouldn't go over his entire adventure. And yep. like his whole thing about like I I honestly I I really enjoy this film, but like the the way that um the conflict is resolved is is him literally looking Doris in the eye or in the um the the light and just saying I'll never invent you which yes that that would be true in that he would like never invent her but if he never invented her yep. then he would not know to not invent her and he would invent her anyway to know to not invent her you, mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying here I, this like is- that's it's the it's the Mobius strip of logic that you get you yeah. get trapped in when you when you overthink these things because the other the other big yeah. problem is they don't return the dinosaur they keep the dinosaur in the future <laughs> that that butterfly effect of yeah. taking a full uh, an apex predator out of their ecosystem imagine like, yeah, like how much that's car gonna... doesn't get like gas I guess. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least, at the <laughs> yeah, very I, least. I just assume that they would take it like as a pet or something because I feel like a, a pet T Rex sits right in with the Robinsons. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it it just seems that a lot of the choices that would be made by Lewis would be um, directly as a cause of him going on this adventure. But like, he sort of retroactively makes it such that he doesn't go on this adventure. And also, mm-hmm. when it happens. When we first see future Lewis, he seems surprised to see his younger self. And so, like, you can't establish, like, oh, this has always happened. And, like, because it wasn't like, oh, I was expecting you and I remember this. I remember this happening in my childhood. Like, you sort of conceptualize, okay, this is the first time in this timeline where um, Lewis knows that he's going to go into the future at some point, which creates an alternate timeline yep but then it's also kind of like with that like like with the thing with the with the with the knocking on the orphanage door like if he hadn't gone back in time like that never would have happened so it must have always happened that he went back in time so why is he surprised to see himself in the future if he hadn't gone back in time before what he must have to be have found as a child unless in that timeline the knock hadn't happened, but it was established that it was happened afterwards. I'm so glad that I wound you up and just let you spin. That was, that was beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. 
I don't know Very if that's well rocking said. anyone else's mind, but that's me watching this children's scene. Like, it doesn't it's, make sense. It's exactly enjoying it very much. Yeah. You no, know, it's exactly the Gordian knot that I've been trying to untie since the first time I saw this movie. <laughs> it's and it's un, it's not untieable. Well, the, I saw this first movie as like a six-year-old or something, uh, so like I wasn't really thinking about that. I was just like, oh, cool, robots, dinosaurs. And I want to reiterate that's something we've both said multiple times already. Yeah. You're not supposed to. You're not yeah, supposed not to think point. about like, it. Like that's not the point. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> like that doesn't make sense this kid this kid's movie bad because but the it's, logic fu- is, it's like, like a it's lot of fun to pick it apart travel. though um because because it's the the one thing i'll give them that uh helps sort of keep i guess keep the loop open not close the loop because you don't want to close the loop yeah. is the fact that at the end wilbur keeps the time machine right yeah if he doesn't keep the time machine none of this happens because then he can't jump around to different parts of this timeline and ensure that these things yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. But according to the rules of, I don't know if you've seen the movie Looper. Um, yeah, I have. He would always be stuck in ago. doing that loop perpetually yes. if if that's the case. But I guess he's accepted that fate because he's part of the time continuum task force. <laughs> AKA which, tanning salon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also thought of like the TVA from, I don't know if you've seen I Loki. I Loki. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the TVA does a better job, though, of of uh, eliminating timelines after they've been um, oh, created on the Oh, gosh, I don't know if I want path. to admit this, but I think it's sort of relevant. Um, this is this is not my first time I've been on a podcast. In fact, I used to have a podcast, and it was a sci-fi fantasy podcast about preserving— it wasn't timelines as much as the multiverse, so mm. I have, like, thoughts about— like bureaucracies on maintaining like the stability of multiple worlds and times. And so yeah. that's probably why I'm like, there's thoughts on this. Yeah. This, this, um, the TCTF here, they're very loosey goosey. They're very, uh, <laughs> they, they let a, a kid, um, be one of their agents, which is <laughs> bad choice for a lot of reasons, but, but it all works out in the end. Right. Um, Let's talk about Doris a little bit because yeah. you mentioned that the the resolution with Doris it it's on one level it's brilliant the fa- yeah. the way that yeah. uh, they stop Doris is we find out Lewis in the future uh, invented Doris the bowler hat that has spider arms and appendages yeah. that so um, was originally invented to be like a helper robot like you mm-hmm. would wear it and it would brush your teeth and fix your bow tie and. You yeah, know, I guess yeah, you know, you what you need with tasks. Yeah, whatever you need to get ready for the day. And um, at some point it became sentient. And so at he some point, yeah. put it into this vault of all of his failed inventions. Which I love that. I love that there's just like this spooky graveyard of everything that has gone wrong. Mm. Which I, I think that there's a world in which there's um, a, an extended meet the robinsons universe because i think that the world building is so fascinating that like you wanted to sort of get go in deeper because you do kind of see like the remnants of what was an interesting inquiry to follow i think they wanted to leave some space open for a sequel or maybe like a tv series you Um, know what i was thinking about this because like honestly it's called meet the robinsons but like we don't really spend that much time with the robinsons like we don't spend that much time with the family members and part of my mind is like well if they did like some sort of extended miniseries about it every every family member would get like an episode or something like that but part of me like doesn't want that a lot i kind of like how it just like creates this like full world and then leaves it i think yeah. that there's a beauty in that you know 
I think so too. And it, and it becomes even messier if you start exploring the yeah, world and trying then you to have build to deal it out with more. The, yeah. But there, I think, it was based on a book. Did you see that? I didn't see that. Yeah. Also, I, okay. I, I also want on the record, I, I told Lewis before we started the interview that like I specifically avoided like looking up stuff about the movie because I wanted any information you gave me to be like <laughs> a surprise and I could like react genuine, like genuinely to whatever you told me. But I did do as far as like watching through the credits and it was based off of a children's book at first, but oh, I think that they cool. changed a lot about it like i think it was just about like someone meets a future kid and then they added all the like it's their son spoiler and like all of the dinosaur i don't know i, I should look that up because i would definitely love to read the book um yeah. I think it's, it's, called, it's like it's not even called the meet the robinsons it's called something like meeting wilbur robinson or a day with wilbur robinson something like that a day with wilbur robinson i'll look that up um I do think if they did expand on this universe, that warehouse, it's like it's like the warehouse at the end of uh, um, Indiana Jones, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's just so many possibilities. That would have been a good Easter egg if they just had, like, the Ark of the Covenant. The oh, back. man. <laughs> um, that, that would be how, I, I, if I was writing it, that would definitely be how I would structure it. Like, let's take, you know, let's open up this yeah. vault and look at all these things. Each of them has its own story, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A different adventure. But then I would think, like, what what you would want the story to be is, like, Lewis as in, like, young Lewis with Wilbur, because that's who we're mostly following. But then, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you want to, like, it, it yeah, because then, cause then it's, like, all about, like, Lewis hanging out with his son. I don't, I mean, that could be fun. It could be fun, but at some point, it, the contrivances you have to come up with to keep putting these characters exactly because the they would mess up the timeline so much if they're just yeah. having like extended, like always hanging out together. <laughs> um, but there's no shortage of mistakes that these the characters make to to oh, provide sure. opportunities for things like that. Like if you've invented a robot that became sentient. If yes, and and you <laughs> and you considered like the fact that it became self aware that's a failure. So rather than I don't know giving it like a choice to do whatever like or mm. or maybe reprogramming it in some way, mm-hmm. you just toss it in a vault. I can totally mm. understand why Doris became resentful and yeah. hatched a plan to escape and take over and rewrite. I the hadn't future. even considered like the morality of putting a sentient creature like that just to just. Because he just like sort of unscrews a bit, I guess, yep, and then yep. and then puts the um, lifeless corpse case. of what he and that what he imagines to be the lifeless corpse in the case. Yeah, we here at Robots vs Dinosaurs <laughs> we advocate for robot rights every no, time. Sure. I promise. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of like how was she? Because yeah, because it was it it was it was built to be a helping hat, develop mm-hmm. sentience and realized that it could mind control people and started doing that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if I look into my heart of hearts, how would I deal with a mind controlling robot? <laughs> <laughs> like what, what I think that I have it in myself to like make it stop mind controlling people or mind control for good. Like, I don't think you could mind control for good. At, or, at worst case scenario though, you destroy it. You completely melt it down and destroy it. If you're if you're afraid mm-hmm. that like this, oh, this is a bad byproduct of what I was trying to do. It's like how do you um, accidentally create a mind control device when you're trying to 
invent something that brushes your teeth is well (laughs) uh, not to get too nerdy but um, yeah it's because at the science fair project his whole um mind memory his like he mentioned i cracked the hippocampus hippocampus, (laughs) right so that would that makes sense control are different parts of the brain i'm not a neuroscientist fair no that's fair also that was for the memory scanner and not the helping hat the helping hat it's it i don't i mean maybe it like it's supposed to read your brain to like mm-hmm. n- know if you want to brush your teeth or not or so like, you can anticipate your thoughts yeah right? like i could i could only imagine like maybe it's like it has some sort of brain scanner so that it can like yeah like either anticipate or like in a ratatouille kind of way like make you, <laughs> <laughs> like maybe maybe he added like a a a mind control aspect to it just in case you didn't want to use your own limbs like i yeah i don't well, know why you would build that into the thing that's supposed to fix your bow tie as i learned from ratatouille all of your motor controls in your it's brain are connected brain. directly it's to your hair hat. follicles yeah, yeah it's under a hat so like probably that was the the thing where he was like Let's just see if we can put that in there. I just think him uh, cracking the hippocampus and and like creating that memory thing is like his first steps towards yeah. mapping and understanding the entire human brain. Yeah, and I I think like that it um it it's re- this movie is really clever in a, a lot of ways. A lot of the mm-hmm. things that you see early on pay off so re- so well in the second and third act. And yeah. Um, the, it, and you just see the trajectory of a lot of these characters and like how they end up becoming who they are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's Doris is, uh, I feel bad. I ultimately feel bad for Doris. Yes. Yes. But I do because think that resolution of just like, I will never invent you. Boom. It all disappears. Yeah. Is so right. Visually just like, like I'm fun. not feeling so good. Like Thanos snapped out of existence is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if we, if we are going to be like, like Goob ultimately gets um like they they are able to like recover and they're like yeah like that was in the past and like part of it was my fault I take some accountability like if we're if we're being that like villains can be redeemed um if if we can interrogate why they thought that the robot couldn't be redeemed <laughs> and if it was just part <laughs> of their their nature if it was just programmed to be evil but like but Cornelius programmed it so they couldn't be all evil I don't mm-hmm. think and if there was a way to override the evilness, if it was a nurture kind of thing, no idea. But Doris but I, is a cool is is a cool villain, I would say. Doris is a cool villain, and I've I've never looked I've never looked for this in the movie. But do you think Doris is an acronym for something, or is that answered? It was. It was. So if you, um, I did pause at the moment where it showed that warehouse, and it was like D O R dash fifteen. Um, so its name isn't really uh, Doris. I don't know what D-O-R stands for. It's probably, like, they wanted to give it a name, and then they, like, did, like, like, I can't even think of an acronym that has to do with hats. That's D-O-R. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm no. <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna be too much of a pause. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was, it, it was, that was the, um, the code that was given. Whether that was the name of the invention, that was certainly the, like, the, um, the name that it had itemized in the warehouse trying to see if i could quickly find the answer but i'm i scanned through the wikipedia page i'm not sure i think i think dor 15 
and we can, you know, have our own fun imagining what DOR stands for. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a, an open thing from the viewers. You can you can imagine what DOR stands right for. Right in with your theories. What is Do- yeah. what does DORA stand for? Um, uh, uh, there yeah, are yeah. <laughs> uh, there are some posters, some movie posters in yes. uh, the time in Lewis's timeline when he's young. Uh, brain scanners from Mars. Yes, and they all have the same like bowler hat kind of bell shape. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I think that like I love that though. That's just a background detail. You know, we never mm-hmm. see Lewis like standing in front of the poster. Well, no, but that, that it, whatever, it, like, it inspires him to do the memory scanner part of it. Yep. Like he's just like seeing like that thing in the brain. So obviously, I mean, it's it's unsurprising if if Lewis spends so much time on this rooftop that he stares at this um, at this poster a lot that it would like inspire multiple inventions about just like brain scanning and bowler hats. Did you, have you ever seen the movie batteries not included? I don't believe so. It's from way back. It's from the eighties and it's, uh, it's about way back in the (laughs) eighties. Um, but it's about these, these aliens that are robots and they look just like Doris. They like look Mm. like, um, but they, the way that they're, they're made is they sort of scrap together parts. Like they literally take apart a toaster and use that to build the next robot. Um, Oh, cool. And they take like other little small appliances and like, but most of them end up having this sort of UFO slash bowler hat shape. Um, and every time I watch this movie, I think like, oh, this Director must be a fan of uh, whenever I see bowler hats. Even today, I think of Meet the Robinsons or mm. Steam Heat, that one Fosse dance, which also <laughs> says bowler oh, hats, yeah. which again speaks to <laughs> who I am as a person. The um, the so the science fair uh, casually introduces us to a couple of characters that we don't mm. know how important they are yes. until later, yeah. like uh, the the woman. Um, that ado- ends up adopting Lewis. Lucille. Yeah. Lucille. And I think that's Laurie Metcalf. Unless I'm, I think I have that right. That's Laurie Metcalf. Um, and then her husband uh, shows up and he's like, Yeah. Where's For the longest backwards? time as a kid, I thought that the science teacher was going to become Bud. I thought they so too. They look similar enough in their character design. And then that's who you mostly see, see Lucille interacting with. Yeah. Uh, but, I thought, I, I wonder if that was a feint. I wonder if they did that on purpose to throw yeah. you off. Like, um, well, it worked. It worked. And if not, <laughs> and then they could claim that. They could be like, oh, yeah, we intended to do that. It's not that we just like look, think that <laughs> like guys from that time just all had like bow ties and mustaches and glasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also meet uh, Francine, Franny. Yeah. Who ends up being his wife later. Oh, so cute. She's doing her science experiment, teaching frogs to sing. Um, Oh, so good. Oh, my God. I love those, like, jazzy, like, like slightly mafia-inspired frogs. So good. They are incredible. I love that little scene where they have, like, their own bar. (laughs) It's so funny. It's like, Frankie, you got to tell us one of your jokes. uh, (laughs) Oh, man. It's so funny and at the end of the joke he gets up and he goes to a vending machine with flies <laughs> in it he eats one and he oh. says that's a good buzz yeah <laughs> so funny and just the part when they like put like little doris in like the back of a trunk hilarious like godfather like, as it's a kid, excellent. i don't i don't have no frame of reference of like what this is but like <laughs> it's so funny yep it's uh it because it's it they're really good at like these archetypes and, and yeah 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 and just like you know from the style from the music and everything you get everything you need to know 
Um, and it's it's just so over the top and absurd, but uh, but it but again, it all ties together. It's all like elements of the film just kind of evolving and, and gelling together. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to take you off whatever you have on your notes. I want something I'd love to discuss is also just the design of the world in the future itself. Yeah. I thought that that was uh, really fun and interesting of just like, it's green and clean and there's bubbles and there's color. I just thought that as far as how that future is imagined, it was making me think about that time with the 2000s. And to be fair, I was young. Um, but like, it just seemed that there was like a lot of, films that had to deal with like imagining the future because that was also the time of like dystopian right of like Mm -hmm. you know the future is going to be awful and scary but like almost because this is what 2007 right and so like yeah yeah. so yeah so like during in the wake of that like people people were like imagining the future and there was a lot of fear as opposed to like in the 60s when people were thinking like oh yes the future and jetsons and it's going to be amazing and wonderful um, it seemed like in the 2000s, there was like a fear about what the future would become. And this one was almost like a return to that sort of um, optimism about what the future is going to look like. And then I was thinking about in reference also to like WALL-E, which came out similarly to this time where it was like the future is awful, but then it could ultimately be bright. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just, it, it was, um, or or like Tomorrowland, I guess, <laughs> if anyone watched Tomorrowland. I haven't um, seen that one. That's with George Clooney. Is yeah, right? with George Clooney. What, like what? not memorable outside of it. Um, oh, it was, okay. well, I mean, what it truly was, it was, it was an effort for um, Walt Disney Company to capitalize on Tomorrowland in like Disneyland and Disney World mm-hmm. by creating a franchise, but it was not strong enough to like create a franchise a la Pirates of the Caribbean or like, mm. I mean... That's that's like probably the biggest like like theme park inspired franchise. I mean, I guess there was a haunted mansion film, but like no one really watched that or you know. Yeah, um, Jungle Cruise. Jungle yeah, Cruise right. did well it, in the theater. It but. was. I didn't watch Jungle <laughs> Cruise. Um, but it was yeah, okay. Like, it, it was, was fine. in that same same realm of like creating a movie about Tomorrowland, but also yeah. had to dealt had to deal with the future and you know optimism and whatever, which again is very on brand for the Disney country, but also because it was so integral to. Walt Disney himself, um, you know, with Epcot and like the um, cities of the future that he was so um, inspired by, mm-hmm. especially later in his life. I'm like a theme park geek, if you can hear in what, cool, I'm, cool. what I'm saying. But which is why I also really love that, like, it ended with that quote from him. Um, yeah, and that's where the keep moving forward comes from. That yeah. like, Walt Disney quote. It, that was really beautiful. The yeah. um, I, I also love the, the the vision of the future, the Cornelius's future that he built. Yeah, um, you're right. It's like the Jetsons. It's this retro future from like the yeah. '60s uh, kind of vision. Yeah, yeah. They dress like they're from the '60s. It looks very like Art Deco inspired, as far as like the bold pattern and print and colors of it. Um, and even even Lewis's modern timeline when when he's a kid, there's not much in it that places it in like. Oh, this is 2007 when this is no, happening. Yeah, yeah, like that, you sure. know? It, like down to that movie poster we talked about, the brain scan, that movie poster looks like it's from the 60s. Looks like yeah. it's from that that era of sci-fi. And I don't know, even like Goob's baseball uniform is kind yes. of retro. Like yeah, there's yeah. It, it's really hard. I think this is on purpose and it's a smart design, but it's really hard to place like when does Lewis's childhood actually take place? Like what year specifically? Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're supposed to yeah. nail that d- down to a specific time. It's just meant to invoke that Gene Roddenberry version of the of the future. Yeah. 
Which I, a part of me was also mm. like, and again, that's my like modern day cynicism talking of like the the almost horror. Like there's a horror in here of this one kid working for this one company and suddenly like all like all inventions are are Robinson's Incorporated and like everything about all transportation. And it, it's like this one inventor like has invented everything in this city like mm. like taking out this one inventor creates this like dystopian like bowler hat building hexscape yeah i don't know if I can... <laughs> yeah so like i i i mean i i again i guess it kind of speaks to like how much impact a singular person can have but i think that speaking in the in the in the timeline of um big corporations like mm-hmm. running everything that i'm that part of my mind is like oh man like Robinson's Incorporated has like so much power over this city. <laughs> I do agree. I think uh, Cornelius Robinson does need some like quality <laughs> control or like right. some... it's, it's like it's giving like Big and Low from like from Wally or like mm. like or like um, Terminator where it's just like there's just like one company that owns everyone's brains. Inventco, like, right? Yeah, right. So I, mean, I, I think was, he needs he needs somebody to rein him in. He needs somebody to to second check his work. Or else he's like gonna accidentally is, or just like you know could try around to start like mind controlling people. Absolutely, he's he can. essentially he's Tony Stark, right? Like he invents yeah, Ultron yeah, yeah, yeah. to quote unquote protect <laughs> the planet, put a shield around By the planet, like making you your you brush your teeth because you're so bad at doing it yourself. Your bow tie <laughs> looks awful, and, and then you who, can't be trusted. Who could have seen this coming? My my invention has grown a mind of its own and and churned on me. Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Um, so. Yeah, right. So I, I, and I honestly, I don't think that is the lesson that uh, Lewis learns by the end of this. He learns a great lesson, but it's yeah, not, he does. I can't, you know, um, have no, I can't have, I can't operate with zero oversight. Like, cause then that leads <laughs> yeah, to Doris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, I guess like his biggest um, like conflict or like thing to get over is his own self of like his own self doubt is yeah. the thing that he really needs to overcome. So I guess, like, he doesn't necessarily strike me as the kind of, like, mad scientist to be like, let's see if, if I can do it just for, like, if I can do it. I mean, I think he does embody this sort of um, helpfulness and optimism and certainly curiosity, but, like, he 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 moves forward beyond um, failure, and I think that's more so the thing than, like, I don't know <laughs> the morality of doing these things. And again, like, I don't want to, I don't want to judge the film about what it didn't do or like yeah. the implications of what it's on. I really want to like talk about like what it was trying to do and if it succeeded. And I do think that it did, it did give an uplifting tale about how you need to like keep trying. Although the, the, the maxim like keep moving forward and like, it's, it's almost like, you know, that there's that whole discussion about like, it, it very specifically tells you that it does not want you to be living in the past Mm. But it kind of is telling you to live in the future, which also could have its own, like, negative consequences as opposed to, like, trying to live in the present. Um, that's but, a good, that's a really good yeah. point. And I wonder if, because um, you mentioned Tomorrowland earlier, when they first, <laughs> when they first yeah. go to the future, there's a big sign that actually says Today Land. Okay, so this is, this is, this is going to be caught by the people who are also really excited by, um, by theme parks Mm -hmm. there there is a little easter egg of like the rockets on the like it's like on the bottom left frame in um in disneyland's tomorrowland there's like these like rocket ships Mm -hmm. i mean well 
like right now they are like more like gold blimpy, but like in the sixties they like were like rocket ships, and there there was that in the very bottom. So it was largely inspired, or I can only assume, but I would say so that largely inspired by the design of Tomorrowland and the sort of principles of like like agricultural sustainability and like, you know, um, just like Epcot's general tenants of like transportation that mm. everyone is sort of like moving towards a hub, et cetera, et cetera. Interesting. Uh, do you, do you think that there's, that that's like part of the lesson Lewis learned is like, I'm creating this world, but we're not going to call it, we're not going to keep calling it Tomorrowland because A, that doesn't make sense anymore. It's yeah. Tomorrow is today, but also like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it has he learned the lesson of like live in the live in the present moment, like keep going forward, but also live in the present moment and and appreciate the present moment. Which I think that like I, I don't think that he's always going to be like yeah, like trying to like get to where he was, like living for tomorrow, because he they did at least say like this isn't set in stone, because we did um they did establish that in this the that the time travel rules in this story are that the timeline is flexible mm-hmm. and it can change um that he does need to like he does realize he needs to make like the right choices and so i think that he he is going to be living the present that he's going to be dealing with um the the um the, the everyday sort of nature of like succeeding and failing but i i, I it, it's going to be so much easier for him knowing that it's all going to work out in the end you know yeah. he, he's because because now he has that perspective you know, as opposed to like the first pioneer Lewis, who was like, is this going to work? Am I going to fail? It's going to be awful. Am I going to marry Franny? Like, who's to say? But like, now he knows that that's like probably going to happen as long as he like, you know, makes the right decisions or whatever yeah. um, that is. He just needed a vision board first. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, I do like uh, that the movie um, shows shows these two different philosophies. You have... Lewis has somebody from the future come back and give him this advice, you know, keep moving forward. And Goob has his future self come back and tell him literally, do not move forward, (laughs) dwell on the past. It's the only way that you'll get revenge is if you hold a grudge and and fester, let it fester. (laughs) And I love that, like, we get that montage of what that does to Goob as a person. And That, that montage is so good. It's uh, it's also part of like why Goob is so such a good character because because he's presented as he's got this Doris thing that he's like con- it seems like he's controlling the Doris spots at first. Yes, we yes. find out later uh, very quickly though that they are actually really controlling him or that he's their lackey if anything because he's not mm-hmm. that smart. He's never at any point <laughs> the evil genius scientist. He just wants yeah. to be that. And yeah, he's literally, literally like, I just want to ruin this kid's life. Like, that's all I want. Like, what's, what happens after that? Oh. <laughs> and he's just never, like, as a kid, we never see him, like, he's assisting Lewis with his ventures, but he's not the smart one inventing them. He's, you know, the the sporty kid. Yeah. And so when he, d- he tries to do the presentation, when he's trying to steal credit for the invention, he doesn't even know how to turn it on. Oh, he yeah, has to yeah, ask yeah. Lewis, like, what do I do to, you know, let's just say hypothetically, I was pitching this uh, to a meeting Where's the on switch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, what do we call this? Um, I don't know, but it uh, works, I think. <laughs> and then they just, then, then they just like, anything else? And they're like, yes, these hats, let's mass produce them at a massive scale and then like have everyone wear them. Yeah. Um, at some point, uh, okay, so at some point, the, 
we get this really great bit that comes back a couple times where uh, Goob tries to use the frog. I think his name is Frank. Um, this main Frankie. frog, Frankie. He yeah. tries to put a, like a mini Doris on him and and get oh, him. Oh, this is what the podcast is about. <laughs> and um, well, actually, man, we haven't even mentioned Carla. We got to talk about Carl in a moment. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So he gets him to go and try to um, try to steal the invention, and and he stops the frog stops, and he's like, "Well, it, there's like a million people over there. <laughs> there's a million people over there, and I have these idea. really small tiny arms. <laughs> I'm not sure how good it's. Oh, it's oh man, <laughs> hilarious." So, so that falls through, and then he decides, okay, I'm going to go, I have a time machine, I'll go back and just get a dinosaur but to I do it. I don't know how he put the dinosaur in the time machine. Did he strap it to the back? Did he put it in the thing? Like, how does this work? <laughs> how did um, he get the massive T-Rex from the past and bring it to the future, if not, like, put co-pilot in the other seat? We're going to add that to the growing list of uh, <laughs> over- overlooked details on um, this movie yeah. that they, they needed Which to again, overlook. I don't think it's, it like, I, it's not a ding against the, the story. It's just, no, like, as, as someone who, who, who loves film and storytelling, I'm just like, that's so silly. And you know what? It doesn't matter because at the end, you told a good story. I'm certain in the writer's room when they were working on this script, they were like, somebody was like, um, yeah, but, and they were like, no, keep moving yeah, but, forward. Yeah, but we want a dinosaur, forward. so it doesn't really matter. And they were like, that's fair we, point. We keep the plot moving forward. That's how yeah, it, right. it's, we want a dinosaur. <laughs> Uh, and then the dinosaur says basically the same line. He's like, he tries, he tries to <laughs> corner uh, Lewis. <laughs> so I think about that moment so often. Like, I don't know why it doesn't come up in like my regular day and there's no reason to. But literally when you said robots versus dinosaurs, mm-hmm. like it, 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 it showed so clearly in my mind, this, this dinosaur with a robot hat. <laughs> so the dinosaur with the robot hat um is one part of it it's the it's a dinosaur being controlled by a mind control bowler hat robot uh carl let's talk about carl for a moment yeah carl is um i think one of uh cornelius slash lewis's early inventions mm-hmm. um he is voiced by harlan williams uh he is this very uh it's a very traditional, like again, yeah. like retro future kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. design. Again, for a like robot. sort of Jetsons, like they have this like robot helper kind of thing. And it's like humanoid, you know, arms, yeah. legs, a body, um, a, a, a chest panel that pops out that has, you know, runs gadgets. numbers, calculates stuff, makes hilarious jokes, prints like things out yeah. of its out of its mouth, mouth. like a yeah. um, like a like a very old style printer too, like not yeah, something you would. It, Imagine yeah, a futuristic sure. printer would look like. I don't know. <laughs> um, and I don't know what I would imagine a future printer to look like, but I'll give that a think. I hope that we just don't need printers <laughs> in the in the future because they're such. <laughs> well, we're digitizing everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like hard copies. Yeah, but it's man, but printers themselves, like ink technology, we need oh, somebody yeah. needs. No, I got Cornelius Robinson needs to fix talking that. Talking about having our own actress, I like my the the Christmas gifts that I wanted. I wanted a printer so I could print out sides and then money for headshots. And so mm. setting up the printer took way longer than it needed. It took like almost two hours, just like getting it synced up on my laptop. This is not what the people pay to listen for, but <laughs> printers, <laughs> printers are so much more trouble than they uh, should be. Listeners, write in with your uh, fan, <laughs> fan theories about uh, printer technology and, and the future of printers. Um, <laughs> so Carl, Carl is this uh, robot, um, part of, also part of the family. You know, they don't treat him like 
he's like a servant or whatever. They yeah, treat him yeah, like yeah. he's just part of the, he's one of the Robinsons. He does serve them spaghetti though. That's true. He is, I do think they also refer to him as a butler at one point. And um, also Lefty is the butler, that octopus thing though. So like, oh, Lefty's the so they say Lefty is the butler. So I don't know what Carl is. And they don't Maybe spend they a lot of time butlers. explaining yeah. the origins of Lefty. And again, fine. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. You know, yeah. it's whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, Carl, though, is uh, at one point just we see Carl get harpooned through the. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's oh pretty violent. Gosh. And uh, they don't. And he's just back alive in the next scene. Like, well, and, Lewis and can I, fix could, anything, right? Yeah, and we could just assume that Cornelius is like whatever. Like, it, it's not a big deal. But yeah, truly. He's just, you know, they're on their way home as he's, like, walking across. And suddenly <laughs> it's, like, excised. And as a kid, that was and there's mistakes. An, there's another moment where Carl is trying to stop the dinosaur when it's, like, going on its rampage. It's about to eat everybody. And Carl gets picked up in its mouth and flung to the side of the building. <laughs> yeah. Um, answering the question, this movie answering the question of which is cooler, robots or dinosaurs, it's, it's, I gotta give it to dinosaurs. Uh, wait, is the question who would win or who is cooler? Well, I, who would win could definitely be a factor in who is cooler. Well, it's who it's wins not necessarily. Is, who wins is the robot. Doris is, is controlling this dinosaur. The, the tiny dinosaur brain could not compete against tiny Doris. Fair. That's fair but it has to use the, the brawn and strength of the dinosaur okay, in order to... Okay, but then to... this is like a brains versus brawn kind of discussion. I mean, like, yes, Tiny <laughs> Doris couldn't, like, throw Carl at the wall, but the dinosaur wouldn't have done it. And, like, truly, if it's a battle of, of control and wits, it, was, it, it goes to the robot. Like, the robot is the one who is, who is, who is masterminding everything. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Regina... In a fist fight, in a fist fight, a, a dinosaur would win. But True. also tiny, tiny, little arms. So not fists, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, which which do you think is cooler? Do you have more affinity towards uh, towards robots in general or towards dinosaurs in general? Do you have a favorite? Um, there's respect for both. I don't mm. want to um, make a hot take here, but I, I think I think that the questions of humanity that that. Um, robots bring up are more fascinating to me as a general rule like if it's generally if i had to pick stories about robots or dinosaurs like i think that robots give such an interesting um like how we're saying time travel sometimes it's about time travel but sometimes it's about like the philosophy about how we should live our lives mm. i think that robots sort of make us look inwards of like they're not human but they're like human and what is humanity and how do you discover that like and, and dinosaurs are cool but like and you can sort of inter interrogate your own humanity and place in this world through the lens of dinosaurs, but I think that it, it it comes more often with robots. So putting a chip there, do you have like a tally for like your guests about like robots versus dinosaurs? Because that could be like... <laughs> it's it's a super informal... <laughs> write that down. <laughs> it's a super informal tally of like whenever I remember to write it down. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'm definitely going to write down robots plus one. Uh, on here. Nice. <laughs> and I agree with all of your reasons. Uh, dinosaurs help us imagine a world without us. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. 
robots actually in some fiction help us imagine a world beyond us or a world after us. Yeah. Um, but I think the main thing that's interesting about them is how, what when you look at how a robot is designed, like when it's designed yeah. to, especially when it's designed to look like us or act yeah. like us yeah. and what we and design it, it to do. it has agency and it has like feelings or whatever and it has wants and desires and it's like what's stopping you from being essentially a human usually um, us are interesting yeah exactly. usually us stopping them or not or not seeing them as yeah. human or as uh, their own living thinking beings yeah and, and that's always that's always the most fascinating part of robot stories for me too is like how we treat them and yeah. how society in general uh, views them and, and and treats them and like what we're afraid of to an extent of like mm. you know in ourselves but other people i mean like ro like robots in that same way that like monsters their appeal is that i think it's like it's like us but other than us um and then i think that just like that gives a lot of um like opportunity for people who feel like they don't necessarily fit in with like, you know, humanity to sort of identify with things like robots or monsters that are like ostracized from society. Mm. And like, you know, with a lot of um, dinosaur movies, it doesn't happen as much, I would say. Yeah. But not, that's not, that's not neither here nor there. This is my US for my opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> well said. Um, we here at Robots vs. Dinosaurs, again, we, <laughs> we, we are. Dinosaur and robot lovers and everything in between and we are pro robot of. <laughs> uh i i for one welcome our ro our inevitable <laughs> robot overlords when they okay. become sentient and so i won't put that on the record i will say i do enjoy robot media <laughs> <laughs> not exclusively or even especially but in general yeah um let me see uh i think we've talked about most of the movie there's uh the goob has a really great line where he like he very much like wraps up his whole ethos where um it's when Lewis has the realization of who Goob is and and all of this <laughs> stuff. And he's talking to him and he says, you know, uh I forget what he says to Goob, but Goob says, Let's see, take responsibility for my <laughs> own life or blame you. Ding ding ding, blame, blame you. you. Oh, so good. You know, I thought you were gonna say my favorite goob line was in their narration in that same scene of like mm. where it's like, hey goob, wanna come to my house today? Hey goob, cool binder. They all hated me. Like I mean, <laughs> that is so funny. Cause that's just ain't that just how it be when you're like 10 sometimes? Yeah, and and also when you're uh when you've just developed this sense of I this hate the reality world reality and the world hates me. Therefore kind of I can't even see through that. Like yeah. when I'm getting objective evidence to the contrary, <laughs> like people are trying to reach out to me, trying to be friends, but I've created my like I'm going to call it a depression bubble. Like yeah. Goob has you know wrapped himself up in this and just cannot even see um, yeah. people trying to love him, trying to reach out to him. It's really sad. Um, do you think Goob, do you think after this reconciliation between them, do you think Goob ends up like part of, uh, the Robinsons, like, I mean, not the family directly, but like, do you think he ends up? Well, there was that part where it was like, <laughs> such a funny bit where, where they're like, Hey, this is my old roommate. I think you guys should adopt me. And like, what? He's like, remember, I'm your father, which is so funny. For a 12-year-old to say that. and mm -hmm. But then Goobly's, and then it's just, like, a question mark. And then he, like, hikes off into the hills, like, sound and music style. Just, like, <laughs> where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Um, would, and we can assume that he never gets to that point then. Because, like, when he changes the past, like, it looks like Goob won the thing. And it looks like he was, like, successfully interviewing with people. So he's probably not, not going to get to 
where you would have to see what would happen. But yeah, it, it would be kind of interesting to like see what he did because he seemed to not necessarily want to be part of the Robinson family or he yeah. wanted to find something for himself outside I, of that. I think it's good that he gets adopted by like his own family and like, you know, makes yeah. his own family. But do you think he um, meets up with Cornelius in the future? Like helps him hope with so. inventions or, you know. Yeah, I hope they, in... in- in, in in my dream of the future of Meet the Robinsons, of like from the 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 even better future, um, Goo becomes a baseball star, and um, Cornelius is the uh, the, the all star inventor in the sports of inventing things, and then they just um they they're like oh yes we were roommates in that one orphanage. I like I like when when celebrities are like oh yeah we knew each other when we were famous before we were famous. I think that those are always kind of fun. Um, so hopefully, I wish the best for Goob. I really do. Yeah, yeah. That's on uh, the record. I did that very well mm-hmm. said. Um, uh, other than like intellectually realizing that Goob needs to grow up to be this awful person so that it can kick off this adventure with Lewis and yeah. he can you know then create the good future because if Which, he never has like, that, again, if but we've he, already yeah. <laughs> the adventure would never happen because he stopped that from happening by waking up Goob. And that means that that would have never happened. But then if it never happened, then he wouldn't have done it in the yep. first place. And yep. so it, you know, but. And that, that top will just keep spinning and spinning and spinning. <laughs> um, I do like, and and this this might be a little bit loaded, but I uh, yeah. I think that this movie has also a really beautiful adoption message where, yeah. you know, he has this opportunity. Um, Lewis finally gets this opportunity to use the time machine to actually like see his mother and, yeah. and I, I think as a kid, you know, you're thinking like he is like, yeah, oh my gosh, I can actually talk to her. Maybe I can find out why, yeah. you know, maybe I can, maybe I can talk her out of it. I don't know. Yeah. Like all of these yeah. child thoughts you might be having about it, but he has the very adult realization of, I already have a family that wanted me and accepted me and that is good enough. I don't need to. Although that again, comes up to the question where in the science fair, if it had worked in the first place, like we're assuming that it would have happened if Doris didn't intervene, it would have been successful, then he would have used the memory scanner to see his mom in the first place. So he wouldn't mm. have made that realization to not try to live in the past to see his mom unless he had gone on this adventure. Because it would have worked, he would have worked in that moment. He wouldn't have gone to Lucille and be like, you give me a date because he would have, he really just wanted to use it for himself. That's a really good point. Do you think if, if, do you think Lucille is the, um, adoptive mom, the adoptive mom, the future adoptive mom? Do you think that in both timelines where one, the one where, you know, the science project goes completely haywire because the bolt, because Doris, you know, Mm -hmm. unscrewed a bolt and everything goes chaos. Do you think she still, that still ends with um, like, let's say Wilbur doesn't pluck him out of that timeline and events just move forward for the next five minutes. Does, does Lucille make the same decision? Does she look at this kid and say, that was a spectacular well, failure. That's what I'm into as a scientist. I want to adopt this kid. Which, like, I can imagine that, but then it would seem as though Lewis wouldn't be interested because now he's suddenly like, I don't need that because now I know what my mom, my biological mom looked like, and I'm going to focus on finding her instead of moving forward with this new family. Mm. 
And so it, it almost seems like it must have happened this way for him to make this realization for him to go on this adventure. But again, it's kind of like he seemed to not be aware that this adventure was going to happen. Okay. So it had to work so that Lucille, we would see Lucille's memory. Mm-hmm. And then she would make the decision to adopt him. Yeah. Okay. Or I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Not me. <laughs> if they ever make Maybe me not the, the writers. Who's <laughs> Uh, if they ever make Meet the Robinsons again. No one's thought or, about Meet the Robinsons in like a decade. So, Which is unfortunate. It's, it's, a, it's a good film. It's a great film. It's underrated. I don't think enough people talk about yeah. it. There's, you know what it is? It's a Disney movie. Um, the longevity of a Disney movie in yeah. cultural memory lives and dies on merch. Like, Yeah, no, I was thinking the same thing where it's like, it's less fun to see someone dressed up as Wilbur in the <laughs> theme parks than like... Woody, you know? Yeah, they're the Doris hats are like you could make merch out of those, but why would you want? <laughs> yeah, why, as a kid, why would you want to play with this a mind control bowler hat? Um, I don't also, know why th- that made me mm. think of that. I just want to like say my favorite joke in the movie. Um, <laughs> it's it's when they're like meeting all of the Robinsons because I was just like thinking about like all the Robinsons and their designs and like if they can create merch out of them. Um, it's when when um, they're going on this wild goose chase to find the garage and, like, Lewis is with Bud, um, the grandpa, or, like, as we find out, is going to be his adoptive dad. Mm-hmm. And then they see their dog, and then Lewis is like, why does your dog wear glasses? And Bud's like, because his prescription doesn't allow contacts. It's like, <laughs> as a kid, did I did I appreciate that for the comedy goal that it is? It's good. That's a good bit. They do a similar bit with the puppet where every time yeah. they ask, like, is she, is she cranky? Yes. Cranky? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they answer the question by never answering the question. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's a good question. <laughs> um, the, what, oh man, what was the... Uh, the merch of the merch you could I, the t-rex you can make a toy out of the t-rex i think carl yeah. i think is not a cool enough robot to like make yeah. a bunch of action figures that's out pretty of carl. standard pretty standard looks like so a robot that's the thing like uh you've probably you've probably heard some other version of this rant but like up is one of the most um mm-hmm. artistically uh successful yeah. pixar movies but not box office wise and not financially and they and they they never, yeah. they never will make a sequel to up they never need to yeah. but it's because you yeah. can't really sell action figures of you know this old man's house being lifted by yeah his exactly parents. it's like how fun is it is it to like be interacting with carl <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like let me meet a cranky old man um and like on the other side of that coin cars is one of the, their most successful franchises and yeah. I have things to say about cars, but it's... Have you it's, done that? Do, do you count I cars haven't. as robots? I would count them as robots for sure. Self-aware, sentient robots. Absolutely. Okay, all right. But they're also, like, biologic. Like, they have tongues. <laughs> yeah, it, they're so weird. The cars... <laughs> I like should, cars one. <laughs> if you want to come back and do, and do a podcast on cars, on cars, we can, it's we can pick that as apart. Far as, as far as um, uh, robots. But, I've, yeah, yeah I, it, I, I probably have some thoughts about cars. It could be fun. My main thing <laughs> I want to say, without, without go, like, going ham on it, is it yeah. compared to other Pixar works, it's not yeah. as high-minded. Is this Pixar it's or Walt not Disney? As, this one is Disney Animation Studios. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's 2007. The movie that actually, the, like, the big movie 
animated movie that came out around the same time was Wall-E in 2008, which is Pixar. Yeah. Um, this was, a, this is, a, I think, another reason why Meet the Robinson flies under so many people's radar is because yeah. it's also it's, about the future and also about robots. But and it's from this time yeah. when Disney wanted to create, like, we want to separate ourselves from Pixar and, yeah. and do our own thing. And we want to make sure people know, like, it's our own thing and it's not... Even yeah. though it's a lot of the same animators, a lot of the same writers. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so again, I listeners, if you have not seen Meet the Robinsons, uh, watch it. If you've seen it, watch it again because you're going to enjoy it even more the yeah. second time. Completely irrelevant, but in the same vein of like movies by, the Walt, by Walt Disney animation around that time that people don't really talk about. Chicken Little. I like Chicken Little too. Yes, Chicken Little is so <laughs> There's good. no robots or dinosaurs. No, wait, but there's aliens that look like okay. robots. <laughs> It's on the table. <laughs> uh, we've done a dragon movie on the, 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 the definitions of <laughs> like it's, it's Lucy yeah, Goosey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what else? Which Bolt, is a character Bolt, in Chicken Little. Bolt came, yes. <laughs> Bolt came out like mid 2000s. I think that's yeah, another yeah, Disney like in animation. Yeah, that same studios. vein of like kind of ugly animation. Very not, good, like, very underrated. Where it's like, but like where animation is now, where it's so like both artistically rendered, but also like the textures are so lovely. Something like this is at the time it was probably great, but now it's just kind of like, it seems a little flat. As far as yeah. Like, I would have loved to see the concept art for this film. Cause again, it's going for this kind of like retro sixties, like space age kind of deal. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there's this really cool concept art because there are some frames in that, which are like super cool. Like, like even the, um, the, the dystopian, um, like Doris world. world, which is like with like the the greens and the blacks of the sky, like everyone's like shoveling coal or whatever they're doing. <laughs> Just operating <laughs> yeah, like levers, like, like in Metropolis. Really cool, like the design of it. Um the the. Uh... Oh man, I just had a thought and tipped my tongue. I think I lost it. It's okay, Regina. Do you have any other thoughts about? Uh, meet the Robinsons before we dive into lose big three. Um, Jesse Flower voiced young Frankie. I don't know if you saw that. That's kind Who's of that. Weird. Who's Jesse Flower? Um, she was the voice of Toph in Avatar, I think, and like a, a oh. whole bunch of variety of things. Oh, Again, cool. I just the, the only information I can offer is from watching the um, the credits <laughs> in the end. Now I remember what I was going to say. I'm sorry. Yes. I, I was <laughs> so good. Okay. Strapped uh, in, ready we, to ready Yeah, to Regina just time traveled uh, to five <laughs> seconds ago, and she handed me a card that <laughs> said, "This is what you were going to say." Um, so thanks, future Regina. Uh, the this movie, I will try to find some concept art because I don't know if it exists, but this movie was originally going to be live action. And, oh, really? Yeah, and I would love to see what that would have looked like. So I, I'm going to try to find, if there's any concept art, I'm going to post it in the show notes. But, um, but that would be awesome to see. Yeah, but that's like, that's, like or, that's in my same sort of thing. I think that animation as an art form allows for this, this creativity of, of imagination possibility that like the budgets of live action sometimes aren't able to do. Like mm-hmm. I think that... Like, certainly you can, like, sort of CGI these things, um, but, like, something about, like, the colors and something that I really loved about this, um, something that I was noticing about the animation, you know, I was an actress, um, they, would, they would animate these sort of, like, emotional pauses or these, like, speechless reactions that, like, you could sometimes get with an actual actor, but, like, animating those, I think you just have to really study 
um, like good comic timing and emotional beats in, to be able to get that from like, not like nothing, like building that out of, you know, um, out of computer software. Um, I just like massively respect the art form. And I think that the, the, um, capabilities that are allowed that were capable of that they were able to make just by, um, keeping it, um, in an, in a, in a, in an illustrated format, um, mm. made it sort of special in a different way than it would have been if it was, um, live action. Cause I'm thinking it might've just been like Tomorrowland. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think like having it all CG is I think a better decision than having it be like live action with like very, um, easy to see CG, like CG that's yeah. not Especially seamless. like in 2007. I mean, yeah. I don't know, like what, like Transformers, is that? Oh, like, yeah. Like, Michael Carl Bay, look like that? <laughs> um, My goodness. I don't know. And like, that's kind of like where I just, I see, I see so much potential in this um, world to be like delved deeper into because I, I feel like we didn't really even get to like see the, um, the family members that much. Mm. And, um, and like that would be sort of interesting to like see a little bit more of their dynamics and and their um lives but also i'm kind of like this is just this little beautiful morsel and then you eat it and that's it like i think that there's i think there's a beauty in that too of not necessarily going so deep that you i don't know it's it's you you lose sight of what you were originally trying to do i think that they set out to tell a story about moving forward and not looking too much to the past. And then they were able to accomplish that in the 90 minutes or something. And I think that that's um, very admirable that they're able to tell such a, a concise story that's meaningful. Well said. All right. Uh, are you ready for Lou's Big Three? <laughs> yes, hit me. Awesome. Um, there is going to be some theme music that I'm going to pipe in here, uh, <gasps> sung, sung by my friend Ryan. Danny um, Elfman also made the score. Like the score from Eat the Robinsons, so good. I had no idea. That's an awesome All detail. All the okay. endless information. I'm just studying the credits as they go by and like being like, do I recognize this name? Dope. Uh, Danny Elfman, unfortunately, did not compose my um, theme music for these big <sighs> that three. That is I, a shame. I tried, okay. He was busy. He would have done yeah. it, but he was just busy that afternoon. Sure, no, I, I yeah. Um, so I got my high school friend, Ryan. So Ryan, go ahead and sing the theme. <laughs> Same difference. Lose Big Three, it's you and me. We're going to have fun with Lose Big Three. Thank you so much, Ryan. That was amazing. Uh, I'm going to cut that in later. <laughs> Great job, Ryan. Um, so Thanks, Regina. Ryan. Hey, thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Regina, lose big three, number uh, number one. I okay. actually think we've we've answered two of these three already. Oh, but no, I'll ask them anyway. sorry that I preempted your question. No, 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 it's it's fine. It's gonna move, keep things moving forward. Um, mm. So lose big three, number one. Uh, if Doris affected Lewis's journey, but and then he already told himself that he was never gonna invent her. Would he have learned the things that he learned? And the answer is no. We've already yeah, I'm asking yeah, this question. Like, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Heard, yeah. <laughs> Time travel back. Here's the clips of me yep. being like, that doesn't make any sense because he would have never decided to not invent her unless he realized that inventing her was a bad decision. There it is. There it is. In a neat little bow. Lose victory <laughs> number two. Uh, I think we also answered this one, but did they return the T-Rex <laughs> or do they keep it as a pet? And and I does it even matter it. because that future timeline won't exist with all of the same details, right? Some things yeah. will be different. Yeah, right? yeah, some things will be different because now Goob's entire life is different. And also now he's moving forward with the knowledge of 
the future. Mm-hmm. And this, or so like there's a never knowledge of the future. A future goob to even go back to prehistoric times and grab a, t- a T-Rex, however he transported it. Yeah. So, okay. But that, but the, <laughs> but the big head and little arms bit. <laughs> so good, and I'm glad that they have it. Agreed. Uh, lose big three, number three. There's no way that we answered this question already. Okay. Because um, this is more of a philosophical question. Oh, Reg- love it. Regina, if you had access to a time machine, when oh. would you go? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of the kind of person who's like watched so many like time travel. Well, like not, not so many, but like again, like I've established that I really enjoy time travel media. Um, I almost don't. This is such a cop out answer. I almost don't trust myself with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't think I would want to go into the future because I don't think I would want that perspective. I don't want to want to be Lewis in the past being like like anticipating everything and being like I'm I'm meeting this person and this is going to become my like significant other for the rest of my life or you know. Um part of me is like that'd be really cool, but part of me is like I don't I don't want to know what the future looks like because either it's really good or really bad and I don't know. And as far as the past, I mean, is this like space and time? Is this like, is it like I go <laughs> by a bunch of years of the past to where I'm sitting right now? Or is it also like, like. Yeah, I'm going to say that the, the vehicle that you're time traveling in can move because, yeah, like, you know, you don't want to end up inside of like. Is this a TARDIS? Is this just like, I, it's me? Like I just time travel in my personhood? Yeah, because I'm not going to make you time travel into a tectonic plate, or more likely, <laughs> um, the Earth would just be rotating in a compl- on a sure. completely other side of of, or- yeah. of its orbit, and you'd end up in the middle of space. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, you know what? I'm going to give like a really cheesy answer and be like, you know, I'm really trying to live in the present, and I'm mm-hmm. really cherishing my life right now, and so I wouldn't want to travel backwards in my own life. I don't think I would want to do that. And as far as like. I mean, like, certainly, I guess there are, like, historic events that I guess I could be interested in, although, like, I feel like it ought to be mentioned. I am a woman of color, um, and I don't know, like, if, like, where, like, like the life would be then, and if we're going to mm-hmm. be, like, a- assuming that it wouldn't be an issue, I don't quite know. Um, I will say that I really like um, big fancy dresses, Mm-hmm. And would like to, and you know, that's the beautiful part about being an actress is that you can get sort of, you, you, you get the ability to try time travel and that you can like visit sets or be costumes of the thing without the implications of actually time traveling. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I'm like as close to a time traveler as I can get. I would, I would love to wear like a, like a fun, big, fancy ball gown in a, in a masquerade probably travel travel to a time there but i can do that today Hmm. in a movie the movie helps us time travel well said that's a very responsible and smart answer (laughs) because it means you're not going to completely i'm not going to become a mad scientist i'm not going to mess with the timeline like i'm just Mm -hmm. in charge of myself i don't want to like create any weird implications for the world so let's just say cast me in movies in the past yeah you are so you are not going to cause uh, the entire fabric of space time and existence to unravel, oh, and that's good. Probably not. I mean, I might do that anyway without time traveling. <laughs> I just preferably I wouldn't. You might do that by sneezing. Because like, like, if it's a decision to time travel, if if my friend asked me to like meet them in a parking lot and was like, "This is a time machine," I'd be like, "I don't know if I want to deal with this right now." 
you would have to worry about me if I had access to this power. Um, oh, really? <laughs> okay. But, like, maybe it's, like, that thing where it's, like, because I'm so scared of it that, like, I would be the most responsible time traveler because mm-hmm. I'd be so hyper aware of, like, let's make sure we are not being irresponsible with it. Ah, uh, but one always meets their fate on the road they choose to avoid it. So the harder you try to, <laughs> to not make these small Oh, you're mistakes. right. This is actually me saying that, like, I really want to be a time traveler. And so I'm saying that I don't <laughs> want to be a time traveler just so that fates are like, oh, she doesn't want to be a time traveler. Well, that means that she has to be the time traveler. <laughs> I'm trying to outsmart the, the cosmic forces who create my story. <laughs> <laughs> but it's too late because future Regina has already done it. And... Future Regina already knows what's happening. I don't, you know. Yeah, I I I would literally cut to this interview and it's like me like time traveling like at this moment. There's no there's no moment in history that I like want to go back and change. I don't want to try to fix quote unquote fix anything because I know like how much that would mess things up. What I would really want to use my time travel machine for is I would just want to see a dinosaur first. Like I'd want to stay inside the vehicle at all times. But I yeah. just want to go back yeah, to prehistoric yeah, times and just sort of like fly around for a while and just look yeah, at them. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that'd be cool. Is there, there a specific period you would want to go to? <laughs> this is a science question. Which? Yeah. Which? Uh, I think it's the Cretaceous period is the one that has the most fun dinosaurs. Like that's when okay. the T Rex actually yeah. lived. Like because yeah, all yeah. the dinosaurs in Jurassic. Park, yeah. most of them born around the Jurassic period. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is why but I asked. I think a lot of them were actually the Cretaceous period. So I think that's the one I want to see. Cretaceous Park doesn't have the same ring to it. It does, neither does like Mesozoic Park or <laughs> no. Paleolithic Park. Um, but they, they so from a marketing standpoint, <laughs> there's like, they there's like it. a bit in here. There's like a sketch in here of like all the different <laughs> theme parks, but it's just like over time. Yeah, there's one where it's just it's those like, little it's like, like Disneyland with like the different like this is Jurassic Land and this is like Cretaceous land. This is Amanid Park. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so, uh, so... Regina, I want to thank you again. Oh, wait, I'm so sorry. I always lie to my guests uh, because I always have one last bonus question (gasps) that I ask. Whoa! Oh, man, if I did more research onto onto this podcast, I'd know that there's always a secret fourth question. Always a secret question. Um, And it is, if we were to recast Meet the Robinsons (gasps) with, uh, with Whoopi Goldberg and Danny DeVito... Which two characters <laughs> would you replace, and how would that improve the film? Oh, my God. You know, Carl is begging to be Danny DeVito. Mm. Like, I see that so clearly. Um, oh, Whoopi. Um, hmm. <laughs> a long pause. I'm trying to figure out. You know, she's she's a, she's a woman of 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 massive gift. I'm wondering where I can use her for the most value. Um, we already have Angela Bassett like swinging heavy in this movie. So yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, like, hmm, because like, because like the 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 main characters. Like, I don't want to just put her as, like, random, like, Uncle Joe. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think that, like, if Doris had, like, more of a personhood, that could be kind of fun for Whoopi. Doris would be fun. I'll I'll give you this, too. You, you yeah. can add a character if you want. You can... Oh, okay. Um... <laughs> it's already such a perfect film. What I... <laughs> what <laughs> yeah, but what's I one more add? Robinson? <laughs> what's, what's one more Robinson? This is true. <laughs> 
This is a hard. This is the hardest question that has stumped me. The Whoopi Goldberg I... part is always the harder part of it. Everyone's always got like something loaded in the barrel for Devito. They're like, oh, wouldn't that be great? I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, like, I just, I just always just like, I'm like, this film will be better, and like, I know where Danny Devito would would fit right in. Uh, I would hope that there would be a music number in okay. the in in Meet the Robinsons, and. Um, would be Goldberg would be able to be oh, as a part of that. I think that would be really fun. I mean, they have the um, they have some music. They have the Jazzy Frogs, which are so near and dear to my heart. Um, the Rob Thomas song, the end credits. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's a cute song. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just feel like I feel like Whoopi Goldberg is such is such a, a an, an individual. Such a unique. She would she like 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 adding her in somewhere would like change the entire like <laughs> story. And I don't know mm. where to fit her in where it wouldn't be like not negligible. Danny DeVito is not negligible, but like I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this? I think Doris is an excellent answer. Yeah, I also that was my wouldn't, first impulse. I wouldn't be mad about replacing Rob Thomas with Whoopi Goldberg. Like just have her mm. sing that and it's <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be good too. No, those are good answers, too. Cool. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, Regina, I want to thank you so much again for spending this time talking about Meet the Robinsons and uh, hanging out here on Robots versus Dinosaurs. Um, My pleasure. You are a wonderful guest. I really hope Stop. that you decide to come back again. And uh, we <laughs> the comments. Do you want me to talk about? Do you want me to talk? Do you want me to talk about cars or um, Chicken Little? <laughs> Right in. Let we're, us just, we're just talking about weird two thousands Disney films. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you think of another any other robot and or dinosaur movie you want to talk <laughs> about in the future, let me know. Um, listeners, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Uh, if you have not ever written in, you can reach us at robosvdinos at gmail dot com and uh, tell us your theories about printer ink. That's what we really want to hear this week. <laughs> it's um, very important that you tell us this. <laughs> we won't uh, tell right. you why yet, but this is of the utmost importance. So you can find Regina in um, the indie film The Ghost Light when that comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Sky Hoshi anime girl uh, coming out from Pure Magic Pictures. You see both they, of us, not together, but us. both there. And if you're near, if you're going to be at um, near Columbia University, yeah. If you're uh, if you're in, in New York City, you wouldn't mind going up to 129th. I'm going to be in a play there. Give us the dates for that again. Um, January 26th to 29th. So we have evening performances on the 26th, 27th, 28th, and then we have matinees on the 28th and the 29th. Excellent. I'm going to drop links in uh, the podcast notes for you to click on so you can buy tickets and follow all of the yes. things Regina's getting up to. Follow me at Regina underscore Femetigan. <laughs> There it is. All right. Uh, so, F-A-M-A-T-I-G-A. <laughs> awesome. We'll have that in the show notes too for you to click on. Uh, great. So thank you again. And um, uh, as always, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. This is the song. <laughs> Thanks, Love Danny Elfman. I think it's a delight. It's a good bit. In a way, I'm like as close to a time traveler. As I can get. That's just crazy cool. Okay, that sounds like something from H.P. Lovecraft. I would suspect it happens as frequently as people getting caught in quicksand. We need people to write in with hate mail. Because they're tiny little eight people that don't know how to live in the world yet. Take that, you cocky bastard! I am a girl who loves ghosts in theater. Godzilla just sent a telepathic message.